How's it going, everybody? It's been a while. This is the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. Yeah, I was hoping we would, like, warm up at some point, but it, it's not getting far. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. We're dudes. Yeah, we are. And this is our first time reviewing, an, uh, like, for real Disney movies since before the world ended in March. Um, so we're coming off a pretty long break here. But if, the, if you remember back, the last one we did was Rescuers Down Under, and we paused because we were like, oh man, the next two were Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, and those are like, holy shit, great-ass 90s-ass movies that everyone had the fucking tapes of, and probably the Super Nintendo games of, and like, <laughs> we got, yeah, they made a Super Nintendo Beauty and the Beast game, by the way. <laughs> I did not know that. What do you do in the Super Nintendo Beauty and the ba- I Beast game? I watched some Let's Play of it. I was trying to find a MIDI song I could play for our intro. <laughs> um but yeah, so we wanted them to be great goddamn episodes, and you know, as such, we were trying to do them, you know, in person because we're not always comfortable with the over-the-internet recordings. But then, you know, that was back in March when we thought the world might get better again soon, and it didn't. And now it's November, and hey, let's do Beauty and the Beast. I'm for it. <laughs> so, what's your childhood memories of this film? You watch a whole lot of it? Uh, yeah, I don't remember if like I went to see it in the theater or anything but um definitely watched it a lot i know you considered it a girl movie yes uh, but i was into it um as a youngin i wonder if going to theaters was a thing that happened a lot at this point in the house because like i wouldn't have gone because i would have been you know one so is this maybe if it was like a let's get the fuck rid of dustin for a little while and deal with this other baby or if it was just like no nobody's going out i don't know I don't know. I know that we did take you to a movie when you were a baby, um, Rocket Man, or whatever Why? the dude with the, has the jet the rocket tier. Yeah, that's it. Not Rocket Man. That's, <laughs> that's an Elton John Elton movie John, that came right. out last year. Uh, but Rocket Good movie, but uh... yeah, we took you to, and you cried literally the entire movie. And well, like, so Dad didn't get to see the movie because bad move he was on to get you to our parents' down. part. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what your Rocketeer came out like to know exactly how old you were i'm looking it up now might as well i'm sure that that's your fault by the way because like why would mom and dad have been clamoring to see rocketeer like i'm sure you complained enough and they went okay we'll try it yeah i don't know if it was that or if it was like uh i mean you know as a new parent like sometimes you're like we gotta go somewhere even if we (laughs) take this kid with us sure but we have I mean, uh, Kelsey and me have seen like zero movies since. Well, that's not quite true, but that's true. you don't go as often right. to the movies as you know as I do anyway. Oh, right. Or did before. Right. Um, ninety one is when it came out. I was trying to see when. Yeah, June twenty first. So I was about to turn um, one. <laughs> yeah. So imagine you know yeah. taking a less than one year old or assuming we didn't see it the day it came out, probably <laughs> one year old right. to the movies. Like you can imagine how that might go speaking of release dates and stuff something i thought might be fun uh now that we're in the 90s here and as you guys know this is frequently a wrestling discussion podcast also frame of oh, reference it's gonna be today too i'm certain but to give us a little frame of reference beauty and the beast here was released on november 22nd 1991 which is the same week as survivor series 91 which featured the undertaker winning the wwf title one year after his debut. Mm-hmm. Big deal. As we record this, we're getting ready. We're not going to watch, but they are getting ready for, um, you know, what's supposed to be his last uh, hurrah. His last, called. last hurrah. Well, I know. We've had a few of these last hurrahs, but. Yeah, I don't personally give a shit. Um, 
No, did you see the Zelina Vega thing today? I did. That's nuts. Uh, Anyone that's paying attention to the headlines knows when we recorded this. (laughs) Yeah. Who's to say when when today is? Gives a shit about Zelina Vega. Right. I mean, I I don't think I've seen but like maybe one or two matches of her ever or like segments of her ever or anything because like I don't really watch NXT. And then by the time she came to the main roster, I wasn't watching that either. So. Yeah, I mean she's she's pretty good at her job, but like, you know, who cares about anything happening in wrestling? Like, but way to take a stand and everything. Yeah, signaling it out to uh, Andrew Yang. <laughs> yeah, I'm. He'll probably find out about it from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's already tweeted about it. He's oh, been all over. I know. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's his thing. What a thing to fall back on. I mean, good job fighting the good fight and everything. But it's like. My name's been in the media for, you know, the presidential run that didn't pan out. And what's my next step? Well, maybe go. you'll get a cabinet position. Who knows? Could be. That's another thing that's happened since, you know, <laughs> right. we talked to you guys last. Yeah, they Still called, happening. called yeah. Arizona today and yeah. Georgia. Almost. So I think know. that's everything actually counted now. Mm-hmm. They are doing a recount in Georgia. I don't know. The one he Arizona. won? No, he didn't win Georgia. Never mind. I was thinking North no, Carolina. No, he won North Carolina. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever. He, he lost by the exact same margin that he won by four years Landslide, ago. Right. In his own words. Yep. For comparison's sake, uh, non-WWF, the most recent WCW pay-per-view at this time was Halloween Havoc 91 with the Chamber of Horrors. <laughs> AKA Greatest pay-per-view of all time. Exactly. I mean, I watched the first match a whole lot and like very little of the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a Lex Luger, Ron Simmons main event, maybe. Like, is that sounds that right? Year? Yeah, I think uh, there's a very long uh, computerized man of the 1990s Terrence Taylor match that follows there the Chamber go. of Horrors. I think you're right. Uh, with a burned out crowd that just saw all the goddamn stars in one match. <laughs> Let's and a man slow get it down. electrocuted in the middle of the ring. <laughs> yeah. Woof. Anyway, we're way off track. So Beauty and the Beast. That was the track I was putting us on. That's in my notes. (laughs) An all-time classic. Um, As per the new normal things, like I uh, began watching this one while eating popcorn with my son. So, you know, not a lot of notes early on in the movie until I finished my popcorn and home pretzel, as we like to call them from the Sonic. Because, well, the first time I took him, well, not the first time, but one of the times that I took him to Sonic to get the pretzels, he started wanting them as soon as I ordered them. Mm. And I was like, well, they're not car pretzels, they're home pretzels. But then he kept saying, car pretzel, car pretzel. (laughs) And so we have to argue about whether they're car pretzels or home pretzels, which led to duck season, wabbit season, which is another thing he still does. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my son's favorite word. You got right? the pretzel sticks at the Sonic. Like, they're delicious. Are... They're like, wait, oh, I'm not even a big pretzel guy, but they're real good. Oh, they're so good. For a fast food pretzel, I wouldn't expected it to be even that good at all. But oh yeah, uh, my son's favorite word right now is open. So he'll just say open in regards to anything, and sometimes open door when referring to like not a door. <laughs> he'll just be walking <laughs> around with like a you know box or like a Tupperware container or something. Be like open door, open door. And he also likes to eat little gummy bears. And one time I, he wanted gummy bears, but I think he also had just pooped himself. So it's like, we got to change you first, but hang on to those gummies. You can have them if you're good. And instead he just sobbed the whole time going, open gummies, open gummies. (laughs) So 
So after we finished watching Beauty and the Beast tonight, we watched the like 1940s French Beauty and the Beast um, oh. until time for his bath. Yeah. And uh, also animated. No, live action made okay. like with no budget because the Nazis were <laughs> occupying points, the country yeah. at the time. Yeah. Like anyway, <laughs> I mean, the special effects are really cool, especially for having no money. But anyway, um, my son invent- was using some sort of like transitive property thing. I don't understand of like we're watching Belle's dad go through the castle or whatever. And I'm explaining because, you know, he can't read subtitles and doesn't I'm know sure. French. Um, what's going on? Well, actually, he didn't even really need me to explain. But he was like, he's looking for someone. And I was like, yeah, but nobody's home. And he said nobody's home a few times. And then he said, somebody's not home. And I was like, <laughs> uh? yeah. And then he said that like a million times. I was like, okay, I, I guess you're right. Somebody's not home. <laughs> like Nobody's home. Somebody's not home. <laughs> It is fun when it's just like, hey, where'd you learn that? Like, yeah, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> piece that together. Like, right, what kind right. of postulate is that? Apparently, my son knows all kinds of shapes that I didn't teach him. But I gave him, we dug out some, like, toys. He had one that, you know, when he was real little, it's just like these shapes you have to put in the right hole to fall in the basket or whatever. But, like, he didn't know any of those when he was playing with it and then we lost it for like a year and then i found all the pieces <laughs> and i was like what's this and he's like triangle and it's like geez that's a big word good job kid yeah. speaking of big words it's dinosaur week at my son's daycare so uh Fun. we asked him what all he was learning about and i was and he was like t-rex and i was like cool and then he was like ceratops and i was like <laughs> all right that's neat. good he's like dactyl and he started <laughs> <laughs> i'm flapping my arms in a wing motion it, it was amusing <laughs> yeah. um dactyl you know, Normally, the way he records these things, I'm worried he's going to smack something or tear down the whole process. Yeah, unlike normal, um, and this is surprising, as vain as I am, but this time I have us in gallery view where I can see myself as big as you, so I was (laughs) looking around, you know, to make sure I wasn't going to hit anything. Or normally, I just have full screen Jake, like he's, you know, Zordon talking to me. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Ready to talk to you about the greatest potentially Disney movie ever. Yeah, well, we're going to need a lot of sidetracks in this one because, we you are, know, because it's too good. To, like, I was about to say, if you've listened to a lot of our uh, oeuvre, our canon, like, <laughs> uh, you know that the episodes where we like the movie is, you know, not terribly interesting. Like, yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, that was good, too. All right. right. Good job. Good job, Disney, on this movie everyone loves. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, like, this movie still feels kind of new to me, which is nuts because it's, you know, as old as I am. And we totally owned it growing up. Like, it was in my room for 15 years until we got rid of the VCR. <laughs> but, like, fucking, I still feel like I've only seen this movie, like, 10 times in my life or something. Little Mermaid felt like even less than that. Because it was just, like, I had all these and I just didn't fucking watch them. Because I was like, this is for girls. I'm not doing this. I was very concerned of catching the gay, apparently. but <laughs> I guess so. I, you know, grew out of that problem, I guess. But fucking... Like, I feel like when I really first watched this movie was in 2009 when we did the first watch through or whatever. And then it was very much like me trying to be jaded of just like, this is a stupid ass movie. Like, why is this fucking Stockholm Syndrome bullshit? Like, why does anyone like this? And then it, it turns out like, no, actually, this movie's great. You got to let that go. And well, I mean, you don't have to. We could talk about it in the message part later on in the movie. I'm certain we I will. suppose. Um, but That's, yeah, that is... Yeah, very much the catch-22 of watching this and watching, you know, similarly with Little Mermaid is like, yeah, enjoy the movie, but there will also be like a dozen think pieces you could write about this on the fucking internet. 
and right but i don't even like feel like that's disney's fault like no i mean they're adapting a fairy tale written hundreds of years ago like surprise it has their viewpoint of things of like you know wait for a man to solve all your problems like when you're a woman and not allowed to get educated like or they think Belle's crazy because she likes to read like i mean a surprise she might you know be influenced by a man at some point in this movie right and that's something else i want to talk about is um you know, like three-ish years ago, I think, was when they did the, you know, the live-action one with fucking Hermione and, I don't know, Bard from The Hobbit, <laughs> and I don't remember any other actors. Josh Gad, because uh, he's in Gad, everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, what's his name's in it? Um, uh, Obi-Wan. Is he? Yeah, he's Lumiere. Is he Lumiere? The okay. voice of Lumiere, yeah. Ewan McGregor. And uh, Gandalf is in it, too. Yeah. Yes, okay. Well, Lumiere and Cogsworth... <laughs> were not, you know, the most centralized characters, and they were just CGI farts on the screen. Like, they didn't mean of anything. Course. yeah. But what I was going to say in regards to that was, like, with this being a fairy tale, uh, like, I feel like live-action version of that is just harder to accept and get into watching it, especially even 15 years after the first one came out or whatever. Like, it just somehow... Seeing, you know, Emma Watson dressed as Belle and singing the exact same song that Belle sang in this movie was just like, it felt somehow there was a layer of like fakiness to it that, right. you know, well, partially because it was auto-tuned to hell. Well, but, that yeah. also, yes. But like when it's more of a, when it's a cartoon version of a fairy tale is just like, okay, these characters aren't really people like they're archetypes of fucking ideas. Like, I don't know. It's just easier to get into that way when it's like now it's we put these weird actors in these same costumes it feels like you're watching a stage version of it or like you know the version it's just a different version of the thing you've already seen and it's like why are we doing this why wouldn't i just watch the original you know right and that's i guess this is where you know i was like i'm done with the disney live action movie i'd say so too because i don't think i saw anyone after that Right, because they at least, like with Cinderella, they at least added some other story elements to kind of flesh it out to make it a full movie, and Jungle Book is, is great, which I guess is why they brought Favreau back for Lion King, and it was at least more like Jungle Book than the other stuff. But, I mean, Beauty and the Beast is almost like a shot-for-shot remake of the Pretty cartoon, much. and, like, not done as well. Like, hey, this looks really good in a cartoon, like, here's Emma Watson singing? Like, I mean, we didn't ask for that, like... Yeah, and I mean, they did some stuff with LeFou and Bard, and they were fun, but like, you know, the movie wasn't about them all that much, to be honest. They probably got more screen time than they should have in that movie, but I don't know. People like Josh Gad. And for good reason. Like, he's likable. Yeah, small doses, I'd say. I'm about (laughs) Josh Gadded out at this point in my life. Oh, no. Him and uh, the British dude with the talk show. What's his name? God James Corden. Yes. Both of them. If they could just fuck off for like two years and then come back, maybe <laughs> I'd be okay with them again. Um, and the other thing about the live action remake was like the fucking YouTube video of like 10 years ago of the white girl dancing around in the black neighborhood. You know, you know, she a bougie girl, that bell. That's all I can picture when and also watching the cartoon that's all that opening song is all that plays in my head is the youtube version but i mean that song is fantastic though i'm aware maybe it hasn't aged well but i um, mean i watched funny earlier today too the humor is still there so we brought back the uh, songwriting team from little mermaid for this 
And I do think more so even than Little Mermaid, this feels uh, like a Broadway play from the beginning. Like Yeah, right from the start. The story is structured around the songs instead of like, hey, we're just going to do a song real quick here and then get back into the story. Um, it feels very much like the opening of the play at the beginning. There's a lot of reprises throughout the film as well. Like when we get to the song in the middle with the boring montage part of the movie where they're falling in love, something there. Um, that's basically the, the fast forward one. Yeah, It's the same melody as the bonjour, 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 you know. You want to talk about the bonjour song from the start and just be like, Cal, you know, if you go to France... <laughs> It's not going to be like that. Now, granted, she's out in the country somewhere. It's true. And a provincial like it's in town, the, she says. Right. And, you One know, of them several French provinces that I a long time totally ago. know of. A long time ago, too. So, like, maybe a friendlier time, perhaps. But, like, <laughs> they're not into strangers. Like, it's not that they're an unfriendly people, necessarily. Just, like, you know, like to keep to themselves. Like, Well, everybody's friends in this village. So should you go there, like expecting to just walk down the street and be ready to just greet everybody and break into song? Not going to be like that. Which is okay by me. Like, you know, I don't need to see a bunch of bakers hanging out the window going bonjour at me when I'm trying to live my life. I feel like there should be places like that where it's like, oh yeah, this is musical town. Oh, yeah. Like every now and then we <laughs> just break Songville. into song. Let's... It's like basically like a flash mob, but it's just like the way that town is all the time. Like... <laughs> Just a thing they do in that town. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the songwriting duo Alan Menken and uh, <clears throat> and Howard Ashman, who we talked about in Little Mermaid. Um, it seems like, uh, well, first of all, uh, we talked a lot about Ashman in that film uh, because he seemed to bring a whole lot of stuff to the table of just that Little Mermaid is remembered for because, like, he was the guy that thought, hey, what if we made Sebastian Jamaican? And hey, what if we, you know, sort of structure the whole music of that film, which is the reason everybody remembers it, uh, you know, as sort of a, you know, island theme. Sounds like he was just as involved in this one, too, because this was the uh, this film was in production hell for a good while. They tried a few different times to make it. And as such, this was the first uh animated film that they actually brought in a screenwriter for because apparently their process before that was always just like storyboarding everything out with the animators i guess <clears throat> but they brought in a woman named uh linda wolverton who wrote the original draft of the story before storyboarding began and then she worked with the story team to retool and develop the film uh, after that and the story team also included Mencken and ashman as well as well as you know the two directors and somebody else in there i had all their names down at some point but fuck it who cares that's not the point of this the point is ashman was very involved in this and he was also dying of aids at the time and this is you know in the 90s when the early 90s at that when aids is like you know still brand new on the scene and kind of scary and a big deal and he was originally working on aladdin at this time they he reluctantly like was pulled off of aladdin to work on this and as such i think I mean, we'll get to Aladdin when we get to it, but I think we will see a a bit of a step down in terms of the songs and the lyrics, particularly because, uh, and part of that might be accommodating for Robin Williams as well. But but it uh, it makes sense, you know, as successful as the music was for Little Mermaid, um, when you have uh, a, an artistic success like that, to give those guys more responsibility. Yeah. in the next film that you do. Like, I know that Absolutely. Uh, Rescuers Down Under came out in between the two, but likely they were, you know, that one was probably almost all the way done by the time Little Mermaid was released. You right. Know? So 
um, especially because it took a lot longer to make an animated movie in the you know late 80s and early 90s than it does now definitely so i'm glad they did give those guys more responsibility because i feel like uh where you know i mean you could see what they're going for in little mermaid i feel like they sort of perfected it uh in in this movie yeah i i, I mean i don't know that it wasn't also perfected in little mermaid but well i just think they they integrated the songs more into that's true this yeah. movie yeah yeah and, and, and along just totally the embraced well. the like what if we just made this uh, a cartoon version of a, a Broadway play. Right, which is very uh, prevalent in the opening song when it's like, hey, we're meeting Belle and we're meeting the town and we know our whole setting now. And also she's trying to sing this. <clears throat> she's trying to sing this, but we also have random bits of, you know, characters saying like, oh, that's too expensive. You know, all that kind of mm-hmm. random crap in the background, which, you know, is exactly what you would see. You know, here's five actors wearing silly costumes in the background in uh you know a broadway play as many times as i have seen this movie i noticed a new thing about it tonight mm-hmm. uh where um when gaston and i guess i should have noticed this before but like when gaston leads the villagers to go attack the beast at the end of the movie um it's the same villagers that were singing that happy bonjour song at the beginning of the movie yeah. like i thought it was like just sort of faceless people or yeah. never like paid attention to here's before, all the heels definitely in the like, town we didn't meet before <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely but it's not though like it's the baker and it's right. all the like friendly people who were just so happy to see bell earlier and they've been yeah. manipulated this way into like now you know they're ready to go kill a beast um i didn't really think of that when i was watching it but that's a very good point yeah yeah I never noticed it before tonight, and I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. But <laughs> imagine your bell. Like, do you keep living in that village afterwards? Just like right. Like you tried to kill my husband. Yeah. Now, like hi you know, Pierre. Where... Good to see you again. I haven't forgot, right, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Baker, you pretend to be my friend. Like bonjour yourself. Like shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a name. You just called him Baker. <laughs> well, but I'm not calling him by his name after he tried to, you know kill the beast <laughs> so the opening song as jake well before the opening song happens mm-hmm. i guess we could the movie begins yeah, we gotta with do the a, like cold uh, open yeah cold open with uh stained glass and uh telling the story there i was kind of surprised by the number of cuts in this like jumping from picture to picture like where you know compared to like think about where we started with snow white where you just get a text opening that you have to read through yourself we don't have a narrator for it right yeah um, and then eventually we had a narrator and we, you know, slowly evolved this and this, like we've got our narrator and also we're flashing to different stained glass at times when we don't even need to, like, there's a time where they like mention, like when the old lady turns into the, um, you know, her like pretty self yeah. <laughs> instead, mm. she glo- um, she has a glow like up. Like, we show the prince, and then we say, and then she transformed, and we flash briefly the old lady, and then flash the pretty self. And it's like, we could have skipped that. Like, we we know what she looked like. Yeah. But it's like a very, and that's even worse now, but, like, one of the things you can track in, like, old movies compared to, like, today's movies is how long they stick with the same shot. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Less so in an animated movie, but, well, like, yeah, but, in a, you know. even in an animated movie, though. And so that was, like, jarring to me. It's like, why are we making all of these cuts? Like, this right. is a lot. Yeah, I didn't really think about that at the time, <clears throat> but that is a very good point. Uh, something I noticed when, you know, because obviously for those who are not familiar yet are somehow listening to this podcast, we open with a very fable, you know, story here of like, here's this rich ass prince dickhead who, uh, you know, turns away this lady that's begging in the middle of the night because she's ugly. And it's like, dude, 
I'm gonna curse you for that shit. Don't do that. <laughs> and then she does, and you know she curses him to be evil. Turns out she was beautiful the whole time. Beauty's only skin deep. Yada yada yada. And then also, all of his servants and butlers and shit get turned into silverware for some reason. Yeah, and they didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> they like, didn't. I feel like. You know, they've already got it hard. Like, being a servant's not an easy life. Like, it's not like they were just, you know, kicking back. And then now suddenly, you know, they're, they've been transformed. Like, what did I do? I'm a goddamn candlestick now. Like, what <laughs> right. the fuck, man? Like, just because you were a dick? Like, <laughs> like a butler didn't tell this lady to fuck off. Like, I don't think butlers right, are allowed yeah. to do that. Seriously. But when we go through this sort of transformation, it is the, you know, stained glass and stuff. For the most part, but as we're explaining, like we see, you know, his his pretty self in the portrait or whatever, and then he gets it gets slashed by the big beast claws, and then we sort of pan across and show Beast there, like oh, and then you know we show the rose in, under the glass that's gonna wilt when he turns twenty one, and he'll never turn back or whatever. Those minor details in the background, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing I took away was like. That one shot where we pan across of the beasts and showing what the beast looks like was just like, why did you do that? We didn't have to do that. We don't need to see him yet. Bill, we already got tension of him being like a monster later, you know, skulking around in the shadows. We don't see what he looks like. And then they probably intentionally did that to make it not too scary for the kids. But from a filmmaking standpoint, it's like, why? You know, it's like yeah, Jaws. Done the reveal later, right? It's like Jaws. Don't show us the monster yet, and we need to know, like, oh, he's hideously twisted. And, you know, when that way, when crazy old Maurice is, you know, trying to quietly work his way into the castle. Had done it perfectly with the claw ripping it up. Like, right. that would have been enough. You would have seen the hand, seen, you know, he's ripping up his former image. Like, that would have been enough. You're, I mean, maybe it's something like where, like, early screenings maybe, said, yeah. this is too scary. Like, show the beast earlier. I don't know. Yeah, just, to, like, get this, like, initial, ah, out of the way from all the kids. Right. But. You know, but they're also kids. Like, the Beast doesn't show up again for 20 more minutes. They would have forgotten. It's true. So as this voiceover ends, the last line is, Who could ever love a Beast? Which sort of sets up the whole fucking story right from the start. Which is pretty important. You want to do that, especially from a fairy tale. You know, we're always clamoring for a narrator in these things. We got an early narration at the beginning to really explain, you know, everything that we're going to get going on. Yeah, and then we get even more explanation with our introductory song, which is just basically the exposition song. Yeah. Here's all the characters, here's what they want. Not like. the only one, but also that's a very fucking Broadway thing. <laughs> it's like characters mm-hmm. talking to each other, and it's like, oh, yes, I love another day here in our provincial French town, don't you, best friend LeFou? And it's like, <laughs> yep, this is how people talk. Speaking of how people talk, like, we have people introduce, you know, we have people start conversations with each other all throughout the song with bonjour, right? And then Belle is the only other character for the whole movie who says bonjour again after that. Um, even though there are other times where they're saying hello, like yeah. uh, Maurice goes in the castle and he's like, hello, hello. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's literally no, did, no we French We just did a whole song that. about how we greet each other. Like, well, I mean, Lumiere, Lumiere is the only one, yeah. Yeah, we did a whole song about the way people greet each other in this town. And then from then on, it's just hello, like... Fair point. Gaston walks up to Belle and's like, hello, Belle. And she says, bonjour, Gaston. And then that's the only other time it's mentioned in the whole movie. <laughs> Which we did this before with, like, Aristocats, where, like, it's in Paris, but, like, no one has... The only person who has an accent doesn't have a French accent. And in Jaja or Ava, I don't know which one is which. Still Ava. Uh, Jaja's not been in any of these movies. 
Wait, Zsa Zsa wasn't in no. Rescuers? It was Ava. That's Ava. It was always Ava. We've had this conversation in every episode. <sighs> Which one is in Green Acres? I don't fucking know. I mean, they sound the same, and I don't know how they look, but they sound the exact Not same. good now. Are they both dead? They're both dead. No, you no. didn't laugh, so that was just awkward. <laughs> Not good now. Wait. Shazha's dead? <clears throat> so, yes, after we introduce Belle. Uh, That's Ava, too. What the fuck did Shazha do? Uh, got some rich guy dick. I don't know. <laughs> so, we introduce Belle and the village, and she wants to read a book, and the guy's like, but you read it yesterday. And he's like, well, I'm going to read it again, and you can have it for free, even though... I don't know why, how you make money doing that, Mr. Bookstore store owner, but whatever works for you, man. Well, I mean, how does she know that, like, he's already read it two times or whatever? Like, it seems more like a library does, that he's yeah. running. Maybe well, she I, just I has she a says, sweetheart deal. <clears throat> I think she's, he says you can keep it, Belle, eh, as opposed to returning it like you're supposed to with library books. Well, right, but bef- before that, he says, you know, you've already read it two times. Like, if it's... I mean, it says bookseller right on the sign. Like, so mm. has he sold her two copies of it? Like, I don't understand. I don't know what she's doing with them. That's so destructive. She needs more. All right. So Jaja was on 1960s Batman. Oh, um, what in like one episode and, or like a real character? Uh, she was in two episodes. She was a villain because right, they were pretty, two yeah. parters. Yeah, a lot of like one episode guest starring deals. She's in one of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets. Okay. We watched a bunch of horror movies this Halloween. We didn't make it to that one. It was on the list, but we just never watched it. We didn't watch any horror sequels, which I'm sure are the where's the real money is. Yeah. Well, she's in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. So, you know it's good. Anyway, so... Uh, in the exposition song, we see that Maurice as a good and and Belle have a nice relationship with each other. They're all you know friendly and that's sweet and all. We don't address where Belle's mother is. Um, nope. We finally get to see a dad in a Disney movie who's that's not true. a deadbeat. He is or like a dick. way like, fucking older than her though. Right. I mean, Triton was yeah. not a deadbeat either, but he was definitely a dick. Right. Where like Maurice is not, and he was also older. Triton was. Yeah, we talked about deadbeat dads in. Uh disney films early on but like i don't think we're gonna get any moms anytime soon (laughs) it's like no i mean we definitely have like i mean that's a trope of disney movies too of like absent parents or not good relationships with the ones that are there right i'm just thinking jasmine ain't got a mom Mm -mm. pocahontas has a grandma that's a tree (laughs) (laughs) yeah esmeralda doesn't have a mom quasimodo doesn't have a mom a gypsy Right. Quasimodo, though. Abandoned. Actually, his mom dies in the opening scene, I think. It's been a while since I've seen Hunchback. Somebody dies. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We also get to meet the antagonist of the film in this song, which is Gaston and his little buddy, LeFou, uh, who are the best parts of the movie. They're they're fun in general because, like, obviously Gaston is just this complete uh, narcissistic uh, himbo, which is a word I've recently learned. And that's fun on its own, but, like, also, as the movie goes on, we get to see him sort of, like, become, like, a twisted version of, like, what would have been Prince Charming in all the other fucking movies from, you know, decades prior. You know, he's the, very much thinks he's the knight in shining armor and looks like one, too, to be honest. Giant muscle man. 
but he's also completely narcissistic and will do anything to like you know get what he is he wants which in this case is bell which is horrific which you know having watched sleeping beauty and snow white like the same kind of shit could have been done by those princes we just didn't see it but they were just waltzing up and kissing unconscious girls so like i don't know that i trust them either yeah i mean uh, what i thought and i was going to mention this later on in the in the movie is that uh Gaston and LeFou are the perfect, like, pro wrestler and his manager. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, like, Gaston is any pretty boy character. Ravishing recruit stuck out the most to me. Yeah, and LeFou's Heenan. Yeah, basically, where he's got this little weasel manager with him or whatever. He, you know, and then he's, you know, in love with himself and vain and, and all that. Um, pro wrestling is the greatest thing. It's a thing we're no longer interested in, but, like, <laughs> pro wrestling was from good. 10 to 15 to 30 years ago was all the best. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so if you're not familiar with this type of character, it's a bad guy or heel who's just obsessed with himself, um, you know. Narcissus, Lex Luger. Yeah, right. With Bobby Heenan again. Masterpiece. Yeah. Chris Masters. Also that. Various indie performers with the same sort of idea. Pretty Paul Roma. Like, there's a lot of uh, Mr. Wonderful. Um so the, and the first thing we see uh, Gaston do is shoot a geese, shoot a geese, shoot a goose out of the air, you know, and that is followed by LeFou saying like, golly, there's no beast this guy can't kill or something. And it's like, again, some real Broadway dialogue Subtlety. here. Yeah. yeah. But then we get to meet Maurice, uh, crazy old Maurice, the inventor. Uh, I don't know how you make money as an inventor in this little village, especially when they all seem to have been failing, apparently. But this was going to be his big one, and it's like a, you know, gas-powered axe chopper, I guess. Right, and even, like, sorts it when you're done, too, or stacks it when you're done, so that's handy. hurls it across the room, hopefully into a stack. You know, the first piece landed on the stack after that, you He had everything carefully measured out in his house. You put this thing out in the wild, or his, you know, expo where he's going to go show it off, who's to say? Well, we'll never know, since he didn't make it to said expo. Right. Because of his bastard horse the horse knew which way to go i think no 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 well he might have known which way to go but like as soon as there was a wolf he was like fuck you crippled old man like (laughs) i can't possibly help you i'm getting the fuck out of here like and he ran away like fuck you philippe like (laughs) i mean that's a fair point but you know every man for himself it's wolves he tried he tried a little harder for bell but not really he was still trying to run away (laughs) um he got like tied to that tree so he couldn't run away um right or i think he'd have deserted her too he did kick away a few wolves but only when he was tied up like i don't think he would have he'd have been like nah fuck this proof of the horse knowing which way to go like they come to a sign that has nothing written on it, and Maurice is like, I don't know, let's try this way. And he takes him down to the clearly evil part of the forest where there's <laughs> mist and fog and, you know. But horses can't read anyway. Pointy tree branches. But the horse wanted to go the other way where everything was nice and well lit. And then, you know, some shit goes down with some wolves, and then, you know, the horse takes off. The horse finds his way back home, no fucking problem, and then helps Bell get back to this castle in the next scene. So, like... He's got a great sense of direction. So he takes him right into the scary woods. Um, yeah. <laughs> place you could find Stan Darkwing. <laughs> Midnight Bird himself. Literally, these jokes <laughs> would play for the audience of two that's discussing them right now. 
Yep. Uh, so perhaps that's not for everyone. We could try to explain it, but like, why? <laughs> so we meet Lumiere and Cogsworth in this big castle that, uh, you know, the scared old man is trying to make his way into. This is something I never really understood back in the day watching this, but like, just the idea that like, things are far away from each other and you end up at this castle with a bad guy in it and the bad guy doesn't like you, but he's not going to let you leave. So you got to stay in here, stay overnight. You live here now. And like, but also he's not going to lock the door. (laughs) You could totally leave, but you know, just (laughs) the whole, you know, scary woods out there is enough for you to stay there. It was a similar thing when we watched, uh, what the fuck is it called? Sword in the Stone, when, like, the messenger dude showed up to be like, there's a tournament. Also, I'm going to stay here for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's like, shit, man, how right. long was your ride? You need to recover? <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, with Maurice, at least, he puts him in the dungeon like he actually, you know, can escape. But... That's true, but Maurice is also, like, able to just waltz in the front door of this place, and there's no, like, no, ring a bell. Not once he's in the dungeon. Like... No, but I'm saying, like... Your castle in the middle of fucking nowhere, like, I would have my doors locked, but this is just, hey, I'm walking into your house now, uh, please don't I mean, your kill me. In the middle of the, your castle's in the middle of the scary woods, surrounded by wolves, it has a gate, like, the gate opened kind of security to his do touch. you need? I'm just saying, like, I don't know, man, it seems like castles in old stories are also, like, bed and breakfasts for random people. True. So, Lumiere and Cogsworth start trying to help him out because they're buttles. Wait, they're butlers, so they buttle. So they're trying to help out. <laughs> it's a line from Clue that I fucked up. <clears throat> and then, you know, they give him a nice warm place to sit in front of the fireplace and, you know, what turns out is the beast's chair, which is not okay. And, uh, you know, Maurice is very interested in these things because, like, you know, how often would a person in general see a talking clock? But also, he's the inventor guy, so he's way into it, like, trying to, like, twist up his, uh, you know, clock hands and starts fingering his pendulum. Oh, oh my. He did. Cogsworth had to be like, excuse you. <laughs> but they're fun characters. One's French, the other's British for no reason, and they're always bickering like an old married couple. Which, um, if we want to go back to the live-action version, so they tried to win some, like, woke points uh, by halfway hinting that LeFou was gay but not fully doing it because still Disney. Yeah, they did. Um, Well, he was, like, comedy gay, I feel like. Right, where, like, the... Like, there was no reason to shoehorn that. Like, there's already a bickering old couple. Like, if you wanted to do that, just do it with Lumiere and Cogsworth. Like... You know, like, have him pretend he's into whatever the uh, maid's girl, maid, whatever her name is. The sexy um, feather duster. Right. And then, but, you know, he knows he's going to keep going back to Cogsworth. Wish I knew how to quit you. Whatever from Brokeback Mountain. Mm -hmm. And then my next note says, see, we got a shadowy figure with horns in the background. Why did we reveal him in the first scene? It's true. So he's uh, enjoying his, you know, cup of hot uh, not hot chocolate but coffee or tea, tea. or whatever they bring him it's definitely and, tea um yeah because she's a teapot yeah okay <laughs> kind fine. of a fair point fine fine i guess so anyway while he's enjoying that then the beast shows up and gets all beasty um yeah speaking of have you ever seen beastly good lord is that movie shitty i thought about that movie while watching oh, this because so I, I remember it existing i know you saw it i never saw it 
Yeah, I went to see it because I knew it was going to be the worst you thing. You went to see it. I think so. I think I did because I knew it was going to be that shitty that it's like, I got to see this. I want to be there. That's me. That's how I get down. <laughs> what happens in Beastly? Uh, I mean, it's the same sort of plot, except like he, instead of like turning into a big beast or whatever, he turns into like, basically looks like Deadpool, um, like just ugly and bald and like scarred and stuff. Um, there's like text conversations that appear on screen and stuff, um, because, you know, early two thousands or, you know, whenever it came out, I think late two thousand, like 2009 or 10 or something. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm pretty sure we lived in an apartment together at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it was so. an early early 2000s in that, you know, 12 years ago, but not like... <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever you call it, or late aughts, how's that? There you go. You know what I call it? 2009 or 10 or whatever. <laughs> well, fine. That works. <laughs> I don't know. We're way off track. The point is the beast comes in, puts him in the dungeon, lays his foot down. He's being all yeah, heelish. Well, he looks like a mean motherfucker in this scene, too, is what I was going to bring up, because, like... We got a long way to go from, like, big evil monster to, like, actually a good dude in this movie. And, like, it's a difficult gap to bridge, but I'm glad we start out, you know, we only get a few scenes of Beast early on. I'm glad we're like, yeah, he's a beast. Don't mess with this guy. Like, I guess he's not ever, like, explicitly violent, but he is threatening and bellowing and angry. And, yeah. All your old school wrestling... uh buffs would tell you that the best time to turn someone face is when they're hottest as a heel so you got to get enough heat on him as a heel and then turn him face and people go banana and that's uh, what we're building up to here you know having him be mean to this old man who didn't do anything wrong and to his servants who are just trying to be friendly Mm -hmm. it's all gonna come around and we're gonna see the real heel and then we're gonna want to turn this guy our big monster loose on the real bad guy and that's where the money comes that that actually happened because this movie That's, made a bunch of fucking money. So right, smart booking. Dusty Rhodes booked this. <laughs> actually, no, because it would have ended with like nobody winning at the end, and we drag well, it out for another pay per view. And somehow put himself over. Oh yes, the way. Like, he, Maurice goes over in the end. <laughs> in the meantime, Gaston has prepared a whole ass wedding for him and Belle, uh, but he's like, oh, but. You guys don't get ready to play yet. First, I got to go propose to the girl. And, you know, surprise, he marches into her house and is way too pushy. Well, it never occurs to him that she might not want to marry him. Like, look at him. Of course. Who wouldn't? You know, so he sits down and drops his big muddy feet on the table and, you know, talks about how he envisions a nice future with them together and all of his hunting trophies on the wall and his wife massaging his feet and... The kids will be down on the ground playing with the dogs. And he's like, we'll have six or seven dogs. No, strapping young boys like me. (laughs) I thought that was funny. It was funny. And then also LeFou has like a polka ass band playing the wedding march, Mm -hmm. which why wasn't that at my wedding? Like that would have been great. I don't know. You really dropped the ball on that one. I did. I did like zero planning for our (laughs) wedding. I was just like, as it should be. Right. You figure it out. Ask me some questions every now and then. I'll I'll give some feedback. 
I have a friend uh, who is gay and he was planning his wedding and it was the most exhausting thing for me to ever listen to because like <laughs> you had to care what both people thought right for him to plan his what <laughs> for them to plan this wedding and so everything took forever because like one of them would like it and the other one wouldn't it would be this whole thing and like oh right. my god this is exhausting <laughs> like one of you should just decide everything and the other one just agrees to show up like that's all it should be you know <laughs> like, like I had one I chose the music for mine that was this you know as far along as i got to do anything or needed to do anything yeah i leaned in with some options of just like i think we should do this one because it's cheaper <laughs> that's how it ended up <laughs> anyway so he goes in to propose she is not having it uh of course mm-hmm. sends him and away. then we have a a reprise where she goes and sings on a hilltop again and you know she wants adventure in the great wide somewhere yep and then there's also a line like this whole song has been like, you know, talking about the villagers and also like how she wants to learn and, you know, do all this fun, you know, strong female shit. And then in the last line in the song is like, and maybe have someone who understands or something. And it's like, also, maybe I should get a man because that's how this movie's going to end and we're not going to go have adventures or learn more shit. Right. <laughs> we're yeah. actually Please. going in this direction. Yeah. So conform. Let's- Let's throw something down here at the end to uh, sort of point us in that direction. But after she finishes her I want song, then Philippe comes running back and lets yep. her know what happened to her dad. A few times uh, throughout this, I think we need it's pretty clear that this and Little Mermaid are like top of the top in uh, terms of Disney music so far. I mean, I can't think of anything that's in that tier besides mm-hmm. those two. So I think uh, maybe throughout we should do like head-to-head song comparisons here and figure out which one we think. This one would probably, you know, uh, compare most closely with uh, Part of Your World. And I think that's a tough call in terms of like what's the the standout there. I feel like it's it's less of a tough call for me because like we're – this song feels like it's just sort of tacked on the end of the Bonjour song, like even though it's several minutes later in the film. Okay, I was was complaining. combining the two that's what i was trying to say well right the whole bonjour well if you combine the two then like you've got two different things because like the bonjour song is like introducing all the characters and doing all the exposition where like uh part of your world is just an i want song like explaining who she is so like as a standalone i want song like part of your world is definitely better uh, if you're just comparing Mm -hmm. it to the end of this uh song here um like they're they're accomplishing different things like if you take to it some in extent, its entirety. introducing Belle is also, you know, s- explaining what her character is and what she wants. There's we also introduce Gaston in there, so that kind of fucks it up a bit. But I don't know. I would say part of the part of part of your world would probably still win this one for me too, just because it's it's a, it is a more concise song. But I do think this one's catchier. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that is true. But they're both great. Part of your world's more powerful, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the horse comes right on back again, knows exactly where to go. Shane Maurice didn't listen to him. Uh, I mean, they already think he's crazy. Now he's out here listening to his horse. Like, I mean. <laughs> Fair enough. They could just lock him up for that. Exactly. But somehow the horse communicates. I don't even remember. Somehow communicates to Belle that your dad's in danger. I guess because he comes <laughs> right. back without him is how right. she that's, knows. That's the communicating. <laughs> it's not Get like on he, me. Let's ride. He didn't like have to do charades and like explain this to her. <laughs> yep so fine she figures it out when he doesn't come back that something must be wrong with him and philippe takes him or takes her to him um 
right she goes to the castle. castle and at this point all the dishes and you know lumiere and shit in the castle are like what a girl a girl in the castle and it's like a wild fucking story to them when literally the previous scene someone wandered into the castle because people can just wander in right. places here they're almost as excited as flower was when he found out they were men in the forest <laughs> men you say it's pretty much the same mm. reaction yeah that's a callback like, from like episode three. <laughs> right. Or four. No one remembers that yeah. shit. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's like Lumiere, chill the fuck out. Like, you didn't think after this old man wandered into this dungeon, like, that someone might come looking for him? Doesn't seem like stop the presses. Oh my god, a girl's here. You wouldn't what do ass- we do? assume that it would be his daughter that would come looking for him, though. Like, you would assume, like, there's a big beast that lives in this castle. You would assume, you know, be some macho, you know band of men posse people come to look for him or something <laughs> a macho band of men <laughs> so we're recording this the village people now. <laughs> we're recording this long after my bedtime so you know when it's we 9 get, 45 when audience <laughs> when we get slappy um just you know you'll know why i don't really get why beast goes along with any of this um like okay so this old man wandered into his house why lock him up like either a kill him because you don't want him there and you hate him and you don't give a shit but if you're not that violent then like let him go like why why keep him here and feed him i don't understand i mean i guess you have a crew of you know inanimate objects to do that for you but you're just making yourself angry at this point and especially why feed him when like the thing you were mad about is that he was eating your food in the first place or drinking (laughs) your, your tea like Right, but he's locked up in a you know cell, and then Bell comes in and finds him, and then Beast finds Bell, and it's like, oh shit, now what? And Bell's like, take me instead, don't keep him, and it's like, why are you keeping any of them? I don't understand. But he does. He takes Bell instead, and then he's gonna obviously, you know, you think she's gonna be locked in the cell, but he's like, no, come, you know, I'll show you to your room. Well, it's it's Lumiere that convinces him to do that because at first he was gonna put her in there, and then. Lumiere's right. like, you know, maybe let her stay somewhere else and, like, maybe be nice to her and, like, right, all these other wild is, ideas. You know, where we start into, like, yes, you're my prisoner, but also want a date, you know? Could that <laughs> right. be a thing? Yeah. And it's like, no, why would that be a thing? Like, this is, you know, the problem with this story. Well, yes, and that is there, and we'll get to that in the in the message section. But, yeah, it's creepy. Well, that... I'm, Right, that's the whole, like, next, you know, 20 minutes of the movie is the the part where they fall in love. Because it's, you know, it's not, you know, instantaneous. And I feel like it is, we take the necessary steps to show along the way. Which, again, worth pointing out, this is like an hour and 15 minute movie. Like, you don't have the most time in the world to do this. So, we we gotta get the highlights. see him slowly over time becoming nicer to her and, like... You, know, right. you get some montages along the way, like in that something there that wasn't there before where you kind of like right. see how things change in their relationship. But he takes her to a nicer room and tells her she can go anywhere but the West Wing. Other than that, the castle is yours. It's not like she's, you know, really being tortured here. Like she's on house arrest, but it's right. a nice damn house. Like it is with magical servants. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> A guy who freaks out and yells at her over the littlest thing, so and also a small price to pay has separated her from the whole world, which you know in twenty twenty people live in houses and are separated from the world like, right see it's not so bad, 
but you have your family there and not just a guy who yells at you. Hopefully. I don't know what your life is like, audience. Right. If you have a guy that yells at you, I'm very sorry. I mm. hope you can get out of that. <laughs> Maybe you don't have your family there. Maybe you can only see them when you look into the magic mirror of your phone or whatever to, you know, FaceTime or, or Zoom or whatever, however you're getting down. Yeah. And we're all roses that are slowly wilting the more you think about it. So. Yeah. Wilton pretty fast around here as we set another new record today for new cases. Oh yeah, Jesus! Oh, over two thousand. Like, I just meant we're all getting older, man. No, I, I was bringing it right about, back. Like, yeah, I was just bringing it on home. When you started the like, we're all isolated in our homes. I was just you know continuing on your train Fair of thought. Point. It's November twenty twenty, everyone. In case you were wondering. Anyway, can't go to the West Wing. Great show if you've never watched it. Watch the damn West Wing. I haven't. Watch anything Isn't Aaron Sorkin's Rob ever Lowe done. Rob Lowe in that? Is uh, he in that? Yeah, in the early seasons, yeah. I wouldn't okay, say that that's... was the selling point, but he is in it, yes. <laughs> I like him. That's the extent of my West Wing it. knowledge. Uh, well, Aaron Sorkin is the guy behind it. He does great dialogue in anything he's ever been associated with. So, I'm aware of the name. Yeah, I don't know what he's done that you would have seen. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, uh, the newsroom you didn't watch. Um, American President is like a '90s movie where the president like starts dating a woman and stuff. Like, and it's like a rom com about a you know single dad president. I may have seen that on mm. TV at some point. Not of my own volition. Uh, what else? Uh, Moneyball. No, I didn't see that. Okay. Others. It looks good. There's a really good uh, one of his movies that's on uh, Netflix. It just came out. It's called like The Trial of the Chicago Seven, um, about people who got arrested after the riots they had in the '60s in Chicago. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. That's really good. You should watch that. Mm. Sasha Baron Cohen's really good in it, and Eddie Redman or whatever his last name is. Like it's just Red, all British Red people <laughs> doing uh, Midwest accents for no reason. But yeah. All right. Is Sasha British? I don't guess I knew that, but pretty sure. I feel like he's always doing some accent, so I never really knew where to pin it down. Fair enough. I assumed Ali G was like his like actual voice, but I don't know. <laughs> um, as we're walking through the castle, there's all kinds of like statues and gargoyles. Apparently, most of these were like previous, uh, you know, concept art designs of the beast, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. The next several scenes are, you know, the main crux of this film. Uh, you know, the dilemma of how do we make a complete shitbag who is actively controlling and abusing this woman looks sort of redeeming enough that it's okay that she falls in love with him in the third act. And yeah, it's Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Like, he's a dick to her all the time, but then you, you know, you want to see them together, damn it. They like, had several years to tell that story in well, not 80 minutes. Yeah, but he didn't do anything redemptive and ever. Also, like, it just Macho was like... Man was IRL, an abusive dick. <laughs> Look, man, <laughs> sometimes you got to go, what's the best story? Fair point. But like pretty much immediately, just from like a lighting and, uh, you know, how we're framing these shots standpoint, like we're very immediately showing a different side of the beast. Like he's not the skulking guy in the shadows. He's, you know, walking upright and carrying the candle. And we're, you know, we see his eyes are blue, which uh, we focus a lot on the eyes in this, which I actually think is a nice little subtle you know, part like when she's in his, you know, torn up room later and looking at his like portrait and the face is all slashed, but the eyes are still intact. Um, you know, there's some good subtlety there. So she goes to her room and uh, he gets mad and yells at her again. So she pouts mm -hmm. for a bit. That doesn't happen. Not yet. 
because we got to do uh arguably i mean not arguably we got to do the best song in the movie and arguably the best disney villain song ever oh it is fantastic we got to cut back to gaston at the bar you know we take basically everything great from the world's greatest criminal mind in uh great mouse detective which was already great and now we dump a lot more like homoeroticism on it and it's even better and in a you know much more popular movie on a with a much bigger budget and wider you know a larger scale but yeah we get no one fights like a stone all these melodies will just live in my head for the next several weeks right we but walking all the, around this house all the boasting in this song is what made me think about him as a you know heel and and his manager like because they're both trying Absolutely. to hype him up the whole time right and i think uh there's a pretty like wink wink nudge nudge line in here where lefou is already obsessed with this guy and is singing about how great his you know muscles are and all that kind of shit and then there's a line of like you can ask any tom dick or stanley and they tell you whose team they would rather be on and that seems very like yeah we're all you know secretly gay for you buddy not that there's anything wrong with that i just think it's you know pretty clever you know <laughs> line in there perhaps a little so. subtext for everybody that is no longer subtext in the remake where it's pretty right, clear text uh but you know a great barroom song and uh we of course emphasize that gaston is roughly the size of a barge after eating five dozen eggs every day which is something that i didn't particularly enjoy about the live action remake either is like the guy i don't know his real name i'm gonna keep calling him bard because i know uh, him from the hobbit movies luke something yeah luke something (laughs) he did well enough with the the, with the role but like he's a normal sized dude and that's not what i wanted from that film like i wanted them to cast john cena as gaston and have him just be a complete you know bumbling goofball a walking bicep that's singing like what's not to love about that his name is luke evans is he related to Chris? No, he's from England. Okay. Did you ever figure out where Sasha Baron Cohen is from? From London. Okay. Good to know. But as we finish the song, Maurice bar- barges in and uh, is like, oh, there's a beast. He took my daughter. You know, crazy <sighs> out in the woods. Y'all got to go get him. And right. they're like, don't worry. We'll help you out. And then they throw him out of the bar. So, crazy old clever. Maurice. Always mm. good for a laugh. But then Gaston and LeFou form a plan that they like, and then we'll, and yeah, how about a, and we don't know, yeah, we don't know at this point how dark the plan is. Like, it sounds like it's ha ha ha, crazy villain plan, like whatever. And then it's like, when we do find out later on in the movie, it's like, oh my God, like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, it's pretty, pretty sinister from uh, Prince Charming over here. But then they also like tango with each other as they finish the last line of their <laughs> song, which is the best like possible villains you can have in a movie. Like just completely in love with themselves, or more accurately, both of them are in love with the same one and uh, singing and dancing and having a wonderful time plotting evil shits. Yeah. Well, pause this. Go back. Listen to our Peter Pan episode where Jake hates Hook and Smee, <laughs> um, who have the exact same relationship um, with you know, singing and with Smee just doing whatever Captain says and all that. But no, no, that movie's no good, to, according to Jake. But, you know. First of all, there was a lot less singing. <laughs> Second of all, they had to deal with asshole Peter Pan as their, you know, counterpoint, counterpart, nemesis. 
but like whereas we have an actual story with people i like and not just some flying you know shithead that's like cutting the guy's belt and having his pants fall down i mean is bell likable really i don't have a problem with bell i think you know even though she's very much you know waiting on a man to solve her problems like most disney female characters there's a few steps along the way like she stands up for herself more than anyone else when the wolves attack her later she grabs a stick to fight him off with which is more than fucking snow white did in the woods where she saw some trees and had a fainting spell and she's noble and you know you know offers up herself instead of her father or whatever Uh, and she doesn't let beast push her around either like you know, she yells right back at him when he's being a real, you know. I guess, but once she does fall in, you know, start to fall in love with him or whatever, like, yeah. she doesn't even question, like, why she has to stay there all the time or whatever. Like, yeah, we take a like, complete turn. Oh, I just miss my dad. Oh, well, I get it. You won't let me leave. Yeah. Whatever. Like Things would be helped by, like, one escape attempt scene where, like, she tries to get out and can't and maybe the wolves force her back in or something. But, like... As soon as she's not, gar- like, she's about to wake up in the middle of the night looking for food because, by the way, her boyfriend wouldn't let her eat until, you know, she did it properly or whatever. Right. Uh, also, I mean, she had the choice, right, where Beast scares away all the wolves and he's down for the count. Like, she could have just gone oh, yeah. back home then, but, you know, didn't we'll want to leave him there after he saved her life. But I was just going to say, she's sneaking out looking for food. She's guarded by a clock and a candelabra, <laughs> like... And there's there's minimal security in this prison. Like, why doesn't she try to escape? We later show, like, yeah, there's a big snowstorm outside. And, yeah, she could get lost in the woods, but she made it there okay. And presumably remembers how to get back. And we didn't show the snowstorm yet. So, like, she probably could have got out. But later she, the line they get out of this with is she says, like, a promise is a promise, but I got to go or something. Like, right. It's real, you know iffy uh but as she's sneaking out lumiere is hooking up with a feather duster because as you do that's that's his thing he's french Mm -hmm. okay hooking up with a feather duster the oven's complaining about making all this food that nobody's eaten i can relate to that being a new father (laughs) but then bells bell comes back downstairs Mm mm-hmm and we get the song people remember from this movie more than the one Drake just said was the greatest thing ever. I mean, it is obviously an iconic song, but even so, I would say it's probably like my third or fourth favorite song from this movie because this movie's so stacked with great ass songs. Yeah, um, you're right. B- b- before we get to that, uh, Belle is, you know, amused by all the talking. I keep wanting to say like talking animals. They're not, they're random ass household objects. Um so she's, you know, having conversations with Lumiere and, you know, trying to get a little backstory about what's going on. And she says something about wanting some food and Lumiere uh, says the phrase like, oh, we can give her some food. She is not a prisoner. She is our guest. And like, if I was Belle, I'd still be pretty insulted by that phrase. Like, I know the talking candle is being nice to you and everything, but like, <laughs> yes, I'm still a goddamn prisoner here. <laughs> like, let's not mince words. You're just going to act like this guy isn't keeping me locked in this room. Right. I mean, maybe her beef is not with him. Like, he's a friendly candle man. Lumiere seems like a good dude. But, you know, she's just like, oh, okay, sing me a song, everyone. And then we get, (laughs) obviously, the iconic song, Be Our Guest. Um, 
which you know i wrote i don't know what on earth i could say about this song at this point like it's iconic everyone knows it and the animation we haven't really talked about yet but that's obviously was a huge selling point um i think it got nominated for some oscars in terms of technical stuff i don't remember exactly i know musically it did yeah it Um, was actually nominated for best picture like also that yeah but I'm I'm talking about like we'll get to the ballroom dance scene later, but you know the scene of all these you know silverware and shit dancing and the blending of some three D elements in the background while this is going on, and it was very technically exciting right. I mean now it you know doesn't I don't know how well it ages, but like at the time was like super yeah. right super impressive. Yeah, the iconic ballroom scene we haven't gotten to yet, but it does it looks a little off like they're in like a snow globe or something. Like why is <laughs> Why is there just a crazy gyroscope action going on behind them? But so she's they'd sing this whole song and all this shit happens in front of her and then I don't think she ever eats anything, but I guess she gets to try the gray stuff, it's delicious. But other than that, yeah. I don't know. I guess so. I did like Cogsworth, who was against this song at the beginning, starting to tap his toes by the end. Like that's always cute. Right. Can't help himself. And then we get a tour of the place, you know, so we want to show her everything there is to see. Uh, but of course, she wants to go to the West Wing. And while I did want to hear all of Cogsworth's tour material here, which I'm sure he'd been workshopping for a long time waiting for a guest. Right. Talking about the Baroque stylings. <laughs> if it ain't Baroque, then don't fix it. Right. So we get a little bit of that. But of course, she sneaks off to go to the West Wing. Right. She does some misdirection on him and uh, does some flattery and acts like she's excited to go to the library with him. And then when he takes off, she goes the other way up to the West Wing, explores the room she's not supposed to explore. Beast gets pissed. Pretty much. She walks in what's basically like the Shrieking Shack. Like this is where the big monster just tears shit up for fun. (laughs) Um, Or because he's cursed. (laughs) Not really for fun. Yeah, no, I don't uh, know how much fun the beast has. Uh, but yeah, she, you know, near she gets there, she sees the portrait we mentioned earlier. She nearly touches the rose. She takes its, you know, glass case off and everything. And that's when Beast finds her and freaks out and screams and yells, get out and destroys shit. And at this point, she runs out the front door, which was apparently unlocked the whole goddamn time. So <laughs> whatever, man. And now we're out in the snowstorm, and yeah, that's kind of a problem, but snow was never mentioned previously. It seems like you could have left, but we gotta run out, and we... Why is her horse still there? She ends up on her horse here, right, when the wolves attack? Yeah, um, it's, I don't know. Is it the same horse? Is it, it just is. a different horse? It okay. is. I don't know if she like tied him up when she got there, or if he's just that loyal now when he was not that loyal to uh, Maurice earlier in the movie. How did Maurice get home? <laughs> hmm. Oh no, he threw he threw Maurice in the in the carriage and sent him home that way. Okay, yeah, you're he didn't right. Take the horse home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the horse has just been eating hay this whole time and just hanging out, just Had waiting. No problem with. Or him. maybe he went well, back when Maurice got back without Belle to be like, "No, nah, I'm going to go get her." Who knows? Couldn't tell you. But the horse is there and she tries to escape on him and uh, some wolves attack and they don't escape. But then Beast saves her because. Guess what? He's going to be a good guy now. And he's wounded, too, so she gets to take care of him. Right. This is, again, when she could have left him in the snow to die. But she realizes, hey, he just saved my life. You know, I'll I mean, do to the die, same. really? Like, he's got, like, one small scratch on his he forearm. He does. Yeah. Like, he's very dramatic about this. Like, oh, no, collapse. Uh, again, like, you know, 
never matured past an 11 year old kid right she's just putting like a washcloth on it and he's acting like you know she's just pouring salt in his wounds like (laughs) yeah so they're still yelling at each other but there's like a begrudging cooperation at this point of just like i'm trying to help you quit screaming at me and he's like okay but yeah um, that hurts still you know so uh when i was little um especially when jake was like a baby and stuff i would go and uh stay with our grandparents like every weekend and like Mm -hmm. so our grandma used to trim our grandpa's toenails and like (laughs) it was very similar to this where like and he had nasty toenails back then and like so she's having to like jump up and down on the clippers to get him to clip or whatever (laughs) and he's accusing her of hurting him on purpose and then like after they do this and she would like pluck his uh ear hairs and nose hairs and stuff too it was it was quite the sight for i assume this is still their regular routine (laughs) i don't be i don't know (laughs) But uh, but yeah. it was always like, Dad, comment, woman, like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a lot like that, and that's what Beast yeah. is doing here. So, <laughs> just less southern. <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, as we keep getting sidetracked, uh, mm-hmm. this was Remy the other day in, um, as he continues to get countryer and countryer. Um, Can you say cheese when you push the button? Cheese. last weekend he um was like what are you gonna do and he was like i'm gonna eat a biscuit (laughs) all right my man (laughs) but anyway so while that nursing is going on then we go back to the tavern which it's like dark nursing is a different thing (laughs) she's gotta use the full nursing him back to health (laughs) i think you gotta say the full phrase otherwise she's doing something way different while she's taking care of the beast and helping him to heal um mm-hmm. we go back to the tavern it's like dimly lit now and yep. uh we see gaston and lefou talking to someone we only see from behind at first yeah um, this is like the bad guy hour at the taverns so like to turn all the lights down <laughs> right you know, it's the opposite of ladies night <laughs> yeah and so uh, this guy works at the local asylum which we see right. the van later on and it's called the asylum de loons um <laughs> french yeah and uh, he basically looks like the Crypt Keeper. Um, he's yes. green for no reason. Yeah, his skin is green. His eyes are, like, yellow. Um, he's, he's voiced by an act. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, he's voiced by Magneto from the from the uh, <laughs> X-Men video game. That's where I was going to end. Yeah, he's voiced by an actor named Tony J, who did voice Magneto in that X-Men game from 17 years ago. Good for you for knowing um, his name. Like, that's Magneto, damn it. I looked it up. He also will be in a later Disney movie because he voices Lord Frollo in uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. But he doesn't voice Magneto in the sequel. He's only Magneto in the first one. Yeah, because he died was the oh, reason for that. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, now I feel bad. I thought they just recast him. <laughs> no, he, yeah, I looked that up too. He died in like 03, 04, something oh, like that. That sucks. R.I.P. Tony J. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, if you want to get me the strawberry one. Yeah, just one, I think. I forgot that was in there. We bought a cheesecake the other day from mm. the store. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, Insane Asylum Man. Uh, oh, and Gaston's plan here is, yeah, lock up crazy old Maurice in the Insane Asylum, and then we'll use that to blackmail Mary, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Belle. Yeah, the title just, fucking character. Right, I just wrote down Gaston, super bastard. 
<laughs> yeah, basically. And this is right after the scene where we just had Beast being like, not a bastard anymore. Thank you. And so now we get to see like, oh, actually, here's the bastard of the movie. If you hear any smacking sounds from now on, Drake is <laughs> eating cheesecake as we record. What, like that's not okay? <laughs> I mean, we're not even to talking snack yet. I'm anyway. gonna chew away from the microphone. So that's how much chewing do you do with cheesecake? It's just slurping. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. So now Beast is trying to be nice. Yeah, fun in the snow. Right. Basically, we're gonna have a snowball fight about it, and now we're montage. Act like, you know, the rest of the angry shit in the movie didn't happen. Yeah, he says he's gonna change. He means it this time. Like this is, you know, if we're gonna go with the, uh, you know, abuse victim. How do we feel about Chip? Because he did something in this scene, and I wrote, I find Chip really annoying, and I don't know what he did. Oh, because he's in the background the whole time, like, what's going what's on, there, Mom? Mama? What do you mean? What's there? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Chip's cute. Like, eh, I could do without him. And he's all like, his mustache tickles when, you know, Maurice is drinking out of him and stuff. Like, mm. he's cute. But then we, like, end the movie on the line where it's like, do I have to still sleep in the cupboard? <laughs> it's like, why? Why would anyone say these things why is this important enough to include in the film we also haven't talked about mrs potts at all um well i guess she hasn't gotten to sing her song yet but you know angela lansbury is a big deal of some sort i don't actually know who she is but i know that name so murder she wrote yeah i never watched that don't mean either but kelsey says bed knobs and broomsticks as well which i've also never seen well yeah but murder she wrote was on for like ever Came on right after the football game on Sunday, and so, like, it got massive ratings. I was going to say, didn't Nana watch Murder, She Wrote a lot? Yeah. But actually, it was only on for... Oh, no, never mind. I read that wrong. It was on for 12 seasons. Professional writer and amateur sleuth Jessica Fletcher uses her intellect, charm, and persistence to get to the bottom of every crime she encounters. I don't know. I feel like that was just the, the female version of Matlock, you know? It's like, this is for old people. We're solving crimes, but... One of them's for grandmas, the other one's for grandpas. You know why there were so many crimes? Because the dad from Happy Days is the sheriff. <laughs> no wonder. Like, he's he wasn't not going to keep the town things. in order. He couldn't even keep the fawns in line. So if we're comparing direct uh, falling in love songs in these two movies we've been talking about, where you at on something there versus kiss the girl? Because that is a very one-sided fight, in my opinion. <laughs> Hmm. I'm going with something there that wasn't there before, and I know you're going the other way, but mm -hmm. uh, I like it. All the characters get to participate, and like uh, it's fun. I don't know. I feel like similarly where the movie where Little Mermaid dragged, like when anytime Ariel and Eric were on screen together, like <laughs> this is the part of the uh, of Beauty and the Beast that drags, and it's like okay. You know, we know where this script is going, but we got to still talk about them falling in love and have a montage about it. And the song is just, you know, it's there. It's not really one that does anything for me. And Kiss the Girl felt like it had more stakes to it, you know. Like, I guess we know Beast is on a timeline here, but at, up until this point in the movie, we haven't really made that, like, a pressing thing. Right, because like it's a very nebulous timeline. Like, right. we don't know, like, at what rate petals fall off a flower. Like, exactly. I mean... It's supposed to be like by his 30th birthday or something, right? But like, 21st. We don't, 20, oh, He's whatever. a bit younger than that. 
Well, whatever. The point is, but we don't know how old he is or how close it is to his birthday. So exactly. we don't know, like, the rate no one we knows should expect. Beast's birthday is. Right. So we don't know the rate we should expect these petals to fly off. So it's not, you know, you're right about it not being as immediate. Thank God we didn't have to exposition that as well with our Broadway <laughs> subtle dialogue. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Potts talking about him, you know, what she's going to get him for him. Get him for him. Get for him. There we go words so they play in the snow and then they show us to the library and that's super impressive to her even though coxworth tried to show her the library a long time ago and she wouldn't go <laughs> now it's like oh wow the beast loves me it's like this library was here before you like the actual direct song comparison i was gonna do with in my notes was the one they're about to have that angela lansbury sings the titular oh, beauty and the beast that makes more sense versus kiss the girl which I still think I'm still the girl Beauty is better, and the Beast. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so we're still on what opposite you, sides. What you got against Kiss the Girl? Kiss the Girl is fine, but like Beauty and the Beast is, uh, you know, it's it's perfect, and like they play it in the credits too. Like they don't play Kiss the Girl in the credits. Kiss the Girl's like the least well-known song in that movie. No, the pirates sing some. They're not pirates. That's the true. regular You're... sailors <laughs> sing, some, sing some fucking song at the beginning. You're right. Um, apparently, uh, this was a big deal. I mean, obviously it was a big deal. It was a big deal in the recording process because, uh, they wanted Angela Lansbury to sing it and she did not feel comfortable doing that. Didn't think it was going to go well, but they said, well, like, we'll just do like one take for us and we can work with that and just do it however you want. And she did. And that was the take they used. And apparently it moved like everybody to tears in the, uh, um, in the room, the recording booth or whatever. So, you know, but also I find it fairly boring while they dance around this snow globe looking ballroom. Yeah, I'm sure it was the guess which scene Jake fast forwarded in this movie when he did watch it. Right, which was infrequent. But I will say I got the idea that this movie was a big deal, you know, from watching other Disney movies where it was always a preview ahead of time. And it's like this one won a bunch of Oscars. It's, uh, you know, the breathtaking whatever fuck i don't know whatever copy they wrote for the previews the point is that it got it over for me so i was i respected it at least without actually watching it i'd say so after they finish dancing she you know that's when she starts pouting like we were saying before and she's like i just want to see my dad you know and so he tells her about this mirror that he could have told her about a long time ago she could have been seeing him this whole time but you know whatever but this is when we get the actual like hey, Beast is going to be a good dude now. Because even though we haven't really given like a clear countdown on how long he's got to get this kiss or whatever, to fall in love and all that, to break the curse, we do know time is ticking. And this is, you know, he's supposed to be macking on Bell here to save everybody. And that's what Lumiere and Cogsworth and all them are pressuring him to do. But instead, you know, he asks like, are you happy here? What would you like? You know, and she says, I want to see my father. And he's like, well, I can show you him. But, you know, we can see from his face that this is, like, the one thing that could tear down this, like, sort of fabricated world he's created here with Belle. Because, like, if, you know, the outside world is a reminder of that or visually seeing that could tear everything down, you know? Right. Plus, you'd probably figure out he's been using that while she was taking a dump. Also, maybe. Yeah. Show me. Show me the girl. He could be a big perv. I didn't think about that, too. Well, he's forcing this girl to live with him and not see her family anymore, and, like, 
not letting her eat unless she does what he wants. Like, it's Ugh. not unreasonable to assume that he yeah. might also be a perv. You know, I was the toilet's probably alive in that house too. So <laughs> that's a good point, and or, I don't want that you know, experience. Like the bucket, or you know, however far we've come technologically by this point. Either way, plumbing's the, a thing. Yeah, yet. the sing the singing chamber pot. Like so, after he's you know, when he's showing her the mirror, he watches her poop with. She sees her dad, <laughs> and. <laughs> goes oh shit something's wrong i don't remember what i think he's sick and dying out in the cold or something and she's like i gotta go Oh yeah, because he's decided is... to come see her that yeah he's decided right. he's gonna come get bell back so she says i gotta go and b says okay you can go because he's you know actually fallen for her but realized he can't live with the horrible thing he's doing to her and as such knows that the right thing to do is to let her go because he's a simp is that where we're going with this <laughs> That's another word I've recently learned. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway, yeah, so he lets her go, and, uh, you know, so she gets her dad, helps him out, gets him back home. Everything's wonderful, except Snowman LeFou. Right, LeFou is a snowman now because he was told to wait for Maurice or and Belle to return to the house so that we could lock him up in the uh, 1700s insane asylum, right? This is just when I wrote, man, isn't it wild mental health was just, like, not a thing back then? <laughs> you could just lock up any old motherfucker you wanted. Yeah, you don't even, like, just the whole town has to agree he needs to be locked right. up. He's like, nuts. Get him out of here. I heard you're him right. say He's there crazy. was a beast. Yeah. Uh, Chip uh, stows yeah, Chip away. Stows away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He runs away from home, I guess. Like, just leaves his uh, whole, you know, world behind to go be with Belle right but is later important because that's true they sure would have been stuck in that uh cellar or whatever if not for chip's ability to pilot heavy machinery that he has somehow being a magical child cup so while um bell is helping out her father here lefou and the townsfolk come back to the door and um you know say they want to lock up uh, Maurice for being so crazy and talking about the beast or whatever. Um, at first, uh, Gaston's kind of around the side of the house so he can act like he's not with him and like suck up to Belle hmm. later. Right. Um, is his plan, I guess. Right. But then Belle's like, no, the beast is real. I can show him to you. I'll show all of you. And she pulls out the mirror because, by the way, the beast gave her the mirror so like they could still have like mirror conversations later, even though they were separated. But, uh, you know, the whole crowd and Gaston see this big monster. Yeah, total betrayal here. Um, right. For her to do this, like, she was the beast's secret keeper, and now, like, the whole world knows where he's at. Fair enough, yeah. Gaston. Well, how, how could she foresee this giant, you know, mob holding torches and pitchforks would go right. in, you know? Yeah, the same people who were singing to her and were friendly with her before, but not now. That's true. So Gaston yeah, sees it. So his... now Gaston sees it. He says, We gotta kill the beast, kill the beast. Let's sing this song, which is also another badass song with a Yeah, we quote Macbeth in it and like, yeah. I read that, but I'm not that familiar with Macbeth and didn't know that. Well, I mean so. I haven't read it since high school, but uh remember that line. <laughs> That's not right. I read it once in college too. But yeah. Yeah, but who really reads in college? Fair enough, but it was early on in college where it's like, oh, uh, okay. Before I figured out that like you don't really have to read. 
Um, so yeah, I don't see how this still works with Gaston's plan to marry Belle, but maybe he just had abandoned that by this point because he's like, fuck, something to kill. Bring me my guns. Let's go do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, you know, we lock Belle and, and Maurice in the cellar, but luckily Chip is there and Chip can go pilot the axe cutting wood chopping thing. And, uh, something that I'm now realizing is like, so when this curse happened, uh, I think Lumiere says it's been 10 years since it happened. Uh, fucking Beast was definitely a child, right? Because he's about to turn 21, so that makes him 11 when he was transformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets untransformed, he's not an 11-year-old anymore. He's a grown man. Why is Chip still a little kid when he gets re... like? Maybe he was one. Was he? Maybe. He was a baby. Uh, I don't know. And now he's he looks younger than 11 now and sounds younger than 11. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a fairy tale. Who knows? I suppose. Anyway, so the mob makes it to the castle and the servants are all like, holy shit, we got to get the master and we got to fix this. But he's in a total like King Theoden after Helm's Deep and like, <laughs> let them come. Yeah. Like, right. Um, you know, he's not in the mood to fight. And so he's right. too moped to fight back. But eventually finds a way once Gaston makes it all the way up to him. Meanwhile, there's a totally right. comic fight at the yep. ground floor. Yeah, because we got a, you know, a bunch of furniture and dinnerware are going to like destroy all this angry mob. Right, and, and they're using Be Our Guest as like a fight song while this is going on. Like, Yeah, it's another good callback. Of, you know, musically, there's so much going on in this. The fight spills into the kitchen, which is obviously a very dangerous place because now the stove is fighting and there's like knives fucking everywhere. Right. Uh, <laughs> knives fucking everywhere. I wrote, it was like a camel luring a bull into the desert. Like, now you <laughs> fucked up. I went with a totally different reference and thought about uh, Mystery Men. Have you ever seen that movie? I have, but I don't know where you're going with this. Well, yet. Hank Azaria's character is called the Blue Raja, who throws forks at people. That's mm-hmm. his, uh, his power, and that's kind of what was going on here. That's true, yeah. He never upgrades to knives, because that would be make him too right. talented he about. runs runs out that one time and he throws spoons and he's embarrassed about it i haven't seen that movie in a long time i remember in college one time like me and will were already up late drinking and then like it was getting ready to be like all right we should you know probably call it a night and then i saw mystery men was coming on tv at like 2 a.m it's like well we're in here now we gotta stay up and watch this <laughs> i mean it's a great movie mm-hmm it's held up after all these other superhero movies have come out afterwards. Like, it's even more relevant now. But yeah, so while this comedy fight is happening downstairs, in the meantime, Gaston is making his way up to Beast. He totally finds him. Beast doesn't even care. He's just like, whatever, just shoot me. God, you know, angsty emo teenager over here. He's got nothing to live for. And then Bell arrives, and that causes Beast to start fighting back. And, you know, we spill out onto, like, the roof with all the gargoyles and shit and then beast in the like the only time i can think of this happening in a non-comedic way beast like disguises himself as a gargoyle (laughs) and uh gaston sneaks by him like that happens in several silly ass scenes over the years i've never seen it in a real fight like this but it's totally effective and you know this is obviously the climax of the film and we go with the total baby face ending here too of like beast actually fights back and grabs Gaston and is strangling him over the edge and could totally kill him after not fighting this whole time, but then he decides not to, and that's only for Gaston to stab him in the back afterwards. So, like, 
we complete his redemption arc there of just like I was gonna take the you know good way out and then the bad guy has to you know push him too far. Right. Gaston still falls to his death anyway, though, um, as Beast like lunges backwards after being stabbed. Like, yeah, Beast doesn't even have to like do anything at that point. Gaston just I wrote it was the Yokozuna ending of just ah he fell and fucking lost. <laughs> like you'd think he'd stop climbing on shit. But we do go, uh, there's, at this point I notice like, yeah, there's a significant amount of actual violence in this movie for what we've seen so, uh, in Disney movies thus far. Like, I guess Black Cauldron had blood in it, but, you know, this is the second time Beast has been bleeding from some wound. And then we, this scene where Gaston falls as well, like he lands on, you know, he falls towards the spiky side of the courtyard. (laughs) And if you freeze frame, frame it at the right second, you can see, uh. You know, as it zooms in on Gaston's eyes, he's got skulls and the pupils. So it's a nice little touch. It's dark. Yeah, sort of. And then we get the big, like, sappy as fuck, (laughs) like, ending of Beast and Belle in each other's arms and comforting each other. And, you know, we think Beast is, you know, bit the big one here. But this is when he obviously learned. That's a saying. People say that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, by the weenie Riz. That's With not relish. No, <laughs> that's from Greece. Uh, okay. Oh uh, yeah, I remember that. With yep, that's a funny line. I don't remember a whole lot from Greece at this point. That's not a regular uh, viewing experience for me. Hmm. But you know, we get uh, the titular characters in each other's arms, and we care about this relationship in a way that we basically never cared for any other Disney relationship because we did actually get to see it form and grow and even if it is a little bit like you know obviously didn't start out in a great place but you know we get why they're in love at this point you know Beast is totally hamming it up here with the well at least I got to see you one last time and all that but spoilers since he fell in love the Rose revives him and breaks the curse and now he's a normal dude with great hair and everybody else in the castle goes back to normal too do the ultra happy ending yep and again something subtle here is that like when he transforms he says like bell it's me or something and she doesn't like immediately go along with this but then she sort of like looks him in the eyes and we've focused on his you know blue eyes a few times throughout in this movie and this is when she like realizes like oh she believes it it is him I mean, I guess that's nice, but, like, who the fuck else would it be? Like, she's right. been over-kissing him, and then he transforms. Like, she thought right. some dude just snuck in and then laid down on the ground. Like, oh, look, it's me, Mel. Like, Maybe thought she was she thought she was hallucinating from all the grief or something. I don't know. Maybe so. The castle's transforming around her and all the other characters, and he's like, I don't know who this guy is. I'm suspicious. They're all downstairs. Okay. Uh, and then they dance in the last scene, and apparently that was animation was reused from sleeping beauty which i wouldn't have guessed it could have been literally any other dancing scene in any disney movie but that's what the internet told me (laughs) and that's that (laughs) you can tell we're both tired exactly so so (laughs) ends beauty and the beast uh all-time classic we'll get to our scoring uh in a second see how it does on the disney rubric um if of course you're familiar with our work by now surely then you'll know that we score each of these on a six category scale um 
where we evaluate various things uh, from these movies to decide which one is the not only the best, but the most Disney of the right. movies. It's important to stress that. And this is a undeniably Disney movie. Like, <clears throat> yes, it is somewhat problematic at times, but it's also outstanding visually, musically, uh, from a character standpoint, has a one of the great villains. And while, yeah... I, I what I wrote was I think this movie is as good as it can be given the story that we're telling. And I don't know how else to sum it up better than that. It's just like, yeah, we're taking a fairy tale that's, you know, you know, however many hundreds of years old. There's parts that are dated, there are parts that are not super well done. And then also it's kind of like the wrestling thing of like <clears throat> when something uh like you can have something unbelievable happen in your wrestling universe or whatever. Uh but since it's a weekly universe, how many times if the unbelievable thing happens again in a year, like, well, now it's not unbelievable. It feels fake and silly and stupid. It's like you've done it too much and that makes it ruined. But as a one time one off thing, it could work like that's why a fairy tale love story like this that involves abuse and, you know, the bad guy turning into a good guy and then you know, the girl still loving him and all that as a one-off thing it works and where it becomes problematic is when it's loads of stories do this and loads of uh you know specifically kids stories or cartoons or disney stories paint these bad relationships and that kind of stuff like that that's when it becomes a major problem but i think you know isolated the story is largely okay <laughs> and the movie is great so right I mean, if you want to see it as, you know, Stockholm Syndrome and him as an, as an abuser and the way that right. he, you know, withholds food and all the other things that he does for sure. Um, but also, you know, you get the like appearances can be deceiving and beauties on the inside and you get um, people can change and he does change his ways. And um, right. I think it's also worth noting that, like, it's not Stockholm Syndrome off the top because like. Bell doesn't have any feelings for him until he stops being a complete fuck ass. Like there it's a pretty clear part in the movie where it's like, okay, now that you're not being a dick, like, yeah, maybe we can get along and maybe something could come from this later. But like, you know, the first 12 scenes of them together, like she's not in love with him by any means and not interested when the actual abuse is happening, you know? Right. That's true. So based Based on all this, we go to our matters score in which I've gated eh, in which I gave it a four uh, because, you know, with the uh, story that we're telling, I think they did as good as they could. And I don't see how you could do much better, you know, given the obstacles that are built in and, you know, characters are great and the movie's paced very well. There's a bit of a drag in the middle that keeps it from being, you know, a higher score than that. But it's sort of a necessary drag given that we got to get these two characters in love somehow, you know? Yeah. I uh, also went with a four um, for, you know, the same reasons that you said. Uh, I do think, you know, Belle sometimes acts in a way you wouldn't expect her to. And like, she seems very close to her father, but then it's totally cool, like falling in love and being happy away from him. She does finally say, oh, I miss him. But like, we've seen no evidence that she misses him. You know, right. in previous scenes, once B starts being nice to her, so some of that's a little nonsensical. But I, yeah, so I yeah. went with four as well. Uh, after matters, we go to Meanie, which is Gaston pretty clearly, and uh, yeah, I love him as a villain. He's everything I could want from him, <clears throat> from from a villain character. You know, dancing around and 
being a walking bicep that sings like what's not to love about that so uh, i went with a four and a half uh you know i he's not quite on the level of like a share con or a Maybe Ursula was a five. I can't remember. Lady Tremaine is one of my top ones, too. He's just a little bit under that, but he's, you know, for a charismatic, goofy villain who is still a threat by the end. I don't see how you could do any better. Yeah, I went ahead and gave him the five. um, Where, like, he is charismatic and goofy and all that, but, like, he does eventually get to, like, a crazy point where, like, all those things are true but then like he has a plan for like yeah i'll just lock her dad away and then she'll have to marry me and then if that doesn't work well to go kill this beast and like not in a like sporting hunting way like the the guy i don't know why this is the reference that came to me but the you know the guy in jurassic park 2 the lost world who has hunted all the other predators on the planet and he wants to kill a t-rex um as well the bald guy vaguely the bald guy yeah yeah so anyway that he's not that though like he (laughs) um you know goes to like a crazy like murderous place it's not like just a a sporting hunting thing that he wants to kill the beast and it leads to his ultimate demise um he does the funny part well he does the scary part well at the end um yeah and you know reminds me of pro wrestling and so i can't not love that so (laughs) obviously five out of five for gaston uh next would be music five out of five outstanding how could it be anything less um we've been watching like 50 years worth of disney movies and it's pretty clear that there are two soundtracks that stand head and shoulders above the rest and they've come you know i was gonna say back to back rescuers down under was in the middle but it feels like back to back so yeah, I mean, I feel like if you take these two out, um, what I mean, what stands out from the other Disney movies we've done? If you take these two movie out, um, probably, I mean, what Jungle Book? Um, that that would be the number three, I'd say. And then maybe Snow White, probably. Like it's got. Yeah, I mean, props. I maybe put Cinderella above Snow White, but you know, those are still yeah, they're probably very there much together. A step, yeah, step below. Oh yeah, here. way way down from this, but um, yeah. And probably Aladdin, when we do that next, is going to be, like, third in line. Like, it's not as good as these two, but it's still probably ahead of those other ones. If I had to put a gun to your head here, uh, I know we're maybe jumping ahead to our season finale-type discussion, but if you had to pick a soundtrack, which one are you going? Little Mermaid, you go in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> um, but also... Huh? i think i'm going beauty and the beast gave it a lot of thought for someone with a gun to their head (laughs) i think it's supposed to be a quick answer i mean do you have the gun to my head you don't know how to work it like fair point that gives me some time i was i think i'd probably still go with little mermaid overall um but it is you know very very close yeah i mean i watched this one more recently is probably why i picked yeah, this one true. if i just watched little mermaid i might have gone the other way right i think we can easily say that it's light years better than the likes of oliver and company and like fox and right. the hound and shit from the previous decade like strides have been made uh and the next category would be mise-en-scene uh i went i was almost gave it a five but then i remembered some of the cg did just it's just a not holding up half point i took off for you know i gave it a four and a half total but i gave it the five like you're right about not holding up but i think you know that's hardly fair i know it's future Um, speak but right things look um, better now compare it to 
anything before it, like, it looks better than anything you can name. Like, um, even, like, Little Mermaid yeah. looked great, too, but this is a whole another, you know, a whole new world if we're gonna <laughs> use more uh, Disney lines. I mean, I can't remember what all's gotten five. I want to say, like, Bambi and stuff was up there, maybe. We use that as a reference point yeah. a lot. So, like, That's that true. could be, like, the pinnacle of the hand-drawn animation kind of thing. This isn't the pinnacle. This is the start of a new thing that, you know, with the blending of 3D and the other And it's animation. sort of, like, setting the standard for, like, here's what we can do now. Like, planting yeah. the flag for, like, what we're capable of here right. in 1991. Here's what we can do with animation compared to, like, here in 1941 with Bambi. Right. Like, it's 50 years like, later. You know, wait a decade and then we'll really be at the peak of that uh i mean will we though? maybe then not we just would... go into total computer shit yeah well i was trying to think i think like a decade would be like emperor's new groove which doesn't really like somewhere around no. there uh atlantis is really pretty so uh, maybe we'll revisit it when we get ever we get to that one but never seen it or treasure planet is that the same thing they're different <laughs> films they were like back to back okay good never seen either one uh, next would be Message. I went ahead and gave it three and a half for, you know, all the stuff we've already said. Uh, regardless of the film's intentions, it does sort of give off the message that sometimes abusive relationships work out if you just keep working at them. And, like, that's not good. <laughs> but, uh, not a good know. lesson for the kids. Not really. Yeah. I, I went with two and a half. Yeah. Understandable. If there's anything to criticize about this film, it's still that. Yeah, I mean, like like I said earlier, like there are some good messages in here with like, you know, beauty being on the inside and people being able to change um, right. and all of that. Where like Gaston looks handsome, but he's really ugly on the inside and, and all of that. But you know, mm -hmm. it is sort of outweighed by the kidnap a girl and withhold food from her and eventually she'll fall in love with you. Uh, yeah. Plan. Also, it helps if you're a prince. Right. All, all those things will add up to getting the girl. And he got her all right. Yeah, he did. I seen it. It's all over the internet, I'm sure. Anyway, what's next? Uh, Magic is the last one. And oh. yeah, five out of five. No duh. Uh, the movie I actually like teared up at the end a little bit. So like that's a five out of ma five magic unquestionably, you know. With all the problems yeah, the I movie has, it still gets that emotional response when I'm fucking 30, and I've seen it <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, several times. Yeah, I think so, too. Five out of five. Mm -hmm. Flawless, uh, from the magic standpoint, at least. Yeah, and so now we get to total these up, and uh, I ended up with 26 and a half uh, was the score for this one. That's 26 and a half dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a barge out of 30. Uh, yeah, I, mine also adds up to 26 and a half and a rarity where we give the movie the same score. That is uh, rare. That's <laughs> 26 and a half fallen flower petals, uh, out of 30 puts it in first place for me by a half Ooh, point over little mermaid. That is close. I, it puts it in second place for me, uh, just behind jungle book, which I believe got 27 and a half for me, but very close. We want to do our uh, top three, bottom three, just as a reminder for everybody on our 24th, I think, film. I'll, I'll go first because your shit's never ready. So I think I am ready. Thank you. 
bottom three for me, Dumbo, uh, above that, Sword in the Stone, and above that, Black Cauldron. And then the top three, number three, Cinderella, number two, Beauty and the Beast, number one, Jungle Book. Bottom three for me, Rescuers, then Dumbo, and then bottom of the bottom is uh, Sword in the Stone. Okay. We went in different directions there, but sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then uh, my number three is Cinderella. Uh, with 25 then little mermaid with 26 and then beauty and the beast with 26 and a half so we're we have nearly the same top three you've swapped you've got little mermaid in yours i've got jungle book in mine but yeah jungle book's my number four so yeah that's where my little mermaid is so this is a great podcast where we agree with each other <laughs> what's what's your five i think i gotta look again great mouse detective snow white snow white's in it's seven for me behind rescuers down under we're just doing the whole fucking list at this All point right, just do the whole top 10 all right so uh snow white was six uh no it was five um snow white was five then peter pan then bambi lady in the tramp robin hood uh five great mouse detective six rescuers down under seven snow white eight aristocats nine lady in the tramp 10 101 dalmatians so we differ a lot at that point it's true and probably more so as we continue to add more films. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, it was a good one. I'm glad it, it, you know, we were able to get this behind us. Uh, you know, pandemic got a lot of things in the way, but this one had to be done at some point, and uh, we look forward to doing Aladdin next. And uh, we actually have something else to cover at the end here. And way, way back, whenever we started this fucking podcast, I was saying, like, hey, guys, go out there and give us a five-star review and we'll read it out on the show and guess what it finally happened so what yeah this comes to us from the bookish dis nerd on itunes um as a related note i don't know how to like message people on itunes because i was gonna do that i don't know if that's a thing so whoever you are bookish dis nerd thank you for the review i would have messaged you to say that but instead i'll just read it out here uh, they said five stars. The dudes are podcast beasts. Started listening to Maintain Sanity. Will continue as a loyal listener post quarantine. Whenever that happens, well, that's me editorializing there. <laughs> if you're looking for a podcast that will make you genuinely laugh out loud, try or no, this is the one. An excellent mix of good-natured humor and nostalgia with consistent critical review peppered with a healthy dose of pro wrestling references. Make sure you watch the intro to understand their rubric and the six M's. It's gold. Please keep up the fantastic work, dudes. I can't wait for more excellent content. 30 out of 30 enchanted rose petals. Hey, that's fitting. Hmm. Uh, and then there's a little square, which I assume means they put an emoji, but that didn't, you know, work. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's not a thing for iTunes reviews. But thank you again, Bookish Dis Nerd. I hope you're enjoying this episode as well. And if anyone else wants to have their review read on the air, just feel free to send us one. Send us a five-star one. I'm not reviewing like a two-star fuck you guys, you know. I would love to read one of those on the air. Well, we're not supposed to encourage that because we need the good ones. <laughs> oh, well, never I mind. Believe... Five. If you only give us four stars, then you're a hater. I, we do have, I believe, five five star ratings on there. Um, oh, I didn't only, know. Only one review. Like those are separate things. It's. Well, I mean, I think at least one of the five is me. So, oh. well, <laughs> none also, of them are me. I, I don't know how to do that. I actually, I actually accidentally gave us a four-star review at one point because <laughs> I clicked it and I didn't know if it went, so I tried to click a different thing and it went to four, which reminds me of our grandmother. Um, 
like in the early the same days one of, with the nail clippers yeah. yeah in the early days of her figuring out facebook like she has a you know a friend that has a pizza restaurant in her small town and like was she was i guess trying to leave a good review but instead you know she got a message from them the other day is like hey what happened on the facebook like you gave us a one-star review <laughs> and she was freaking out. i had to call us to be like how do i get rid of this and it was a pretty hilarious because there wasn't even like a comment or anything with it it was just like you know a list one of them, star like, mm-hmm. five stars great pizza five stars i love this place take my family here one star our <laughs> grandmother's name and a not right. smiling profile picture <laughs> like she'd just been waiting to stick it to this woman like <laughs> i know what i'm gonna do like it's perfect mm-hmm. so did we want to go into talking snack out of I that mean, don't we always like okay, surely we've right. been eating like crazy what else is there to do <laughs> fair point play the theme song talking snack yeah yeah talking snack yum yum talking snack uh-huh Let's talk about some snacks. Hey. Uh, so I've been ordering a lot of <laughs> a lot of food recently, uh, and you know by that I mean my whole life. Anyway, um, so it's gotten so bad, uh, and this may only work for the regional area where we live. Uh, if you've been to a Sonic, um, you know they bring the food out to you. It's lovely, uh, a big old car tray. hop service. Um, the original curbside. Right. They uh, some places probably still have people on the roller skates that's not a common thing anymore though yeah Um, but anyway uh my wife and i have started ordering so much that they can't bring it to us all on one trip um so god part of that's because if you get the large cheese tot or a large cheese fry they come in the trough you know we've talked about sonic before the sonic Um, troughs but between those two things on the tray then there's not room for more stuff in your bag and so that's really what it is it's not just that you know you know (laughs) we're chowing down too much but Mm -hmm. what else uh have we tried recently we already talked about the pretzel sticks um that's true i had sonic for breakfast this morning and little caesars for lunch so it's been a great day off it's actually my second day off this week because veterans day is a holiday for us uh and veterans too thank you all (laughs) but (laughs) right yeah (laughs) for mailmen don't have to work that day (laughs) and so i you know i got the day off so i went to get a haircut and uh, also, while I was at it, I went and ate Moe's for the first time in forever. Oh, uh, man. Love Moe's. Moe's Southwest Grill, uh, the better version of Chipotle, everyone out there. Can't agree with that. Never been to Chipotle, but now, Moe's, you, fantastic. You do lose, in the pandemic world, you lose the unlimited salsa bar, which is a shame, because mm. that was one of my favorite, favorite parts. Uh, but they did give me two little takeout containers. Um what is a shame is they used to have a wide variety of salsas. When I was ordering on the app, it just gives you red salsa or green salsa. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Mm. I have a specific red salsa that I like. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, but I, I never remember the, which one it is. I need so the I Who is Kaiser. Get both of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always get both of them because I never remember. I mean, I like them both to varying degrees, but. I think there was usually three or four, but. Well, yeah, but there's like a sweet one I don't enjoy. Yeah. The El Guapo one I didn't like because it's like the chipotle kind of not the restaurant but mm. like chipotle pepper kind of smoky flavor to it well i like um, that yeah not my thing uh but the burrito was very good and uh they were supposed to give me a drink and they didn't i had to kind of stand around and be like uh and the drink please and then they gave it to me and i got to go use like the mix-in fancy coke machine uh for the first mm-hmm. time since the pandemic started freestyle i think it's called yeah probably a pretty germy thing i would think but 
it was fun to get to use it again. And also Moe's was like the first place I that had one of those that I can remember that I got to use, you know, a decade ago when they started rolling out. And then also while I was where I was going with this is while I was there, I snuck over to the salsa bar and they had, you know, the little pre, you know, dished out in little takeout cups stacked up there. And I grabbed an extra one because they give you so many chips. You know, it always I always end up with three salsas whenever I go to Moe's. Oh, yeah. Easy. I think the last time I went, the last few times I've gone, I've been getting nachos there anyway because they give you all the chips or whatever. And I was like, why don't I just put everything in the nachos? And anyway, then I get three salsas like red red and green down the middle um <laughs> clever yeah it's uh messy um but it's a good time on a less fun food note um i've switched to grown-up cereal <laughs> like now i've decided to get away from the frosted flakes and the reese's puffs and all that i mean my standard mm. breakfast for the past you know decade has been uh sauce jimmy dean sausage biscuits every morning and then at some point i was like that's there's no way that's good like that is not meant to be a staple of diet like (laughs) the amount of sodium and cholesterol in that shit so i was like well maybe i should switch you know i'll do the grown-up thing and eat cereal and at first i was buying like uh there was a special k that kelsey used to keep around that i liked so i was like well i'll get this but then you know cheapskate mode took over and it's like well i'm not buying name brand cereal forever so now i buy oat blenders which is the giant bag version of that looked the healthiest so i i think it's meant to be you know fake honey bunches of oats or something but it was the one that didn't have a cartoon mascot on it so it must be the one that's for (laughs) grown-ups what do you feel about the uh have you tried the new bakery items at the mcdonald's that's a thing where they got like big ass cinnamon rolls now and like apple fritters and no, all that kind of know. stuff i saw some pop-up ad while i was curbside ordering on there but i didn't notice i don't feel like i would get that from mcdonald's like probably not if you wanted that sort of pastry like go to a you know donut yeah. shop like i don't usually add a sweet thing onto the end of my you know fast food meal anyway i just always have little debbies at home and eat one of those instead like right well i feel like this is uh these are pretty sizable like this would be like an instead of Maybe not. I mean, you live your life. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they've wanted to be like fake Starbucks for a while, so. True. Did you try the uh, trick-or-treat uh, Blizzard when it was a thing? Back to Sonic again? The Blizzard would not be Sonic. Not Blizzard Blast. Sorry. <laughs> I did not. Was that, it had Reese's and something else in it? It had Reese's. No, it had Oreos and M&M Minis and Snickers. Oh, I wouldn't be into the Snickers part, but. I wasn't either. Plus, I mean, the M M&M and M minis don't get as hard as the M and M's um, in the ice cream. But yeah, it was it was crunchier than I would like. But it was also you know it was a fun experience because it was a lot of candy in there with the ice cream. Like, I'm sure, which is what you what you want. Yeah. How do you feel about Lunchable for breakfast? You ever you ever doing that? Are you talking about the sandwich stacker ones? Yeah, like crackers and you know yeah. ham and cheese or whatever and Oreos. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I did if it was like I had breakfast at one in the afternoon or something, but not like before that. No, I've done it as like a, it's 6 a.m. I'm eating this Lunchable, damn it. Like, <laughs> you know what? I need some lunch meat. <laughs> well, yeah. When wouldn't you? I don't know. Those things are good, but like they're expensive and like loaded with sodium. True, true, true. Because you can't eat just one and then it's like you know i've never never once had more than one lunchable at a time like oh well if you want it for a meal i'm sure you're having it as like a snack 
breakfast. It's not that. No, I just said I was having it for breakfast. Like... Right. Snack breakfast before no. <laughs> second breakfast. No, real breakfast. Um, you know, maybe with a yogurt to go with it. If you dunk your uh, Oreos in the yogurt, that's lovely. No, anytime I most if I buy Lunchables at this point, it's only pizza Lunchables. And for mm. a long time, I was only no, doing I never it got into it, those when Walmart had them on sale for a dollar because anything more than that was highway robbery. Uh, <laughs> but now, like, they don't even think they fuck around with that anymore. Like the standard price is like closer to two dollars now. And it's like, I hate you, Lunchables. I need you to cost <laughs> us. you. But yes, I eat two pizza Lunchables at a time and usually probably half a bag of chips or something, hmm. which I'm hmm. sure is great. The spicy McNuggets have been fun at uh, McDonald's. Yeah, I have not tried those yet. I have, but something screwy is going on. I only order with the mobile order at this point, so I don't well, know right. what's really going on and what my phone's just telling me is going on. But like, there's one McDonald's location I go to frequently for lunch and they're saying no more spicy McNuggets on the app. But the one I go to for dinner with my family, <laughs> spicy McNuggets were still an option. And I don't know what the deal is there. Surely they didn't just run well, out of participating one location. locations, you know. But they were participating. Like, <laughs> why'd they quit? I need more spicy nugs. Did you see where the, uh, and you may have already noticed this, where the breakfast is coming back to the uh, Taco Bell? Like they had gotten rid of breakfast at half of their locations, but now it's all, they're all supposed to be back, I guess. No, I didn't know that. Hmm. It's a thing. I like the Taco Bell breakfast. Definitely had it a couple times, but it was, it was enjoyable. I mean, my go-to breakfast now is like Sonic or Burger King, but you know, Taco Bell is also good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've been up too late. Clearly. And we've rambled long enough. That is also maybe true. some heavy cuts in this. Oh, God. Well, this is a two and a half hour file, so there will probably be some heavy cuts in this. <laughs> there better be some heavy cuts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and click stop. Pretty Well, I should probably wrap things up first, so don't click it yet. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. <laughs> Dustin has disappeared from the call, so I will wrap it up, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Dudes. <laughs>